You're listening to a Cup of Resilience podcast with Tamiko Drummond. Real topics, real people, real solutions, real solutions. Once you choose us, they will never stop talking about you. I have special guests in the building today, and I am super, super excited. Today, we will be speaking about um, what's next and how to, how to um, create effective change that's long-lasting. So I have Dr. Earl Hall in the building. Earl, introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> All right, well... Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Dr. Earl Hall, as uh, Tamiko mentioned, and I am a an adjunct professor in industrial organizational psychology at Morehouse College, and I also do uh, independent consulting in human resources. I've been in the field of human resources and organizational behavior for I don't want to date myself, but it's been it's been probably about two decades or so. Uh, it's been a while. And, um, and so, yeah, ultimately, I just enjoy the field, um, all the work that comes with it, uh, the people that I get to help, the amazing organizations that I get to work with and be a part of, and uh, it's truly my passion to serve. And so, uh, by giving back to my alma, ma- alma mater, the house, and also what I do in org behavior and human resources, it allows me to do that. Thank you. Yay! Well, thank you for being here, Dr. Hall. Then we have um, Pastor Vince Thomas Jr. from the Outlet Community Church. He is the lead pastor. Welcome, Pastor Vince. Thank you so much for having me, Tamiko. You're welcome. (laughs) So, yes, I am the lead pastor of the Outlet uh, Community Church, a church that was started and founded really from the ground up a little over two years ago, uh, right in the heart of the city of Atlanta. And just from the beginning, I've just been completely honored to serve our community with just some amazing people, which uh, two of them are on the call uh, today. And uh, outside of what I do as a lead pastor, um, I also work as an independent consultant for organizations. And uh, specifically, I work with uh, companies, organizations, state boards, uh, as it relates to work regarding equity. And so just doing a lot of uh, work, hard work, leadership skills with those who are actually making the policies that govern our education system. So um, outside of uh, just preaching, there's a whole lot of uh, opportunities that we have to affect change. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Pastor Vince. Um, And we have Dr. Linda Henderson-Smith of ATC Consulting, LLC, um, lead therapist and president and CEO of that company. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, seriously. Um, so I, my name is Dr. Linda Henderson-Smith. I am a licensed professional counselor and an educational psychologist by training. I too have been in my field for almost two decades, so don't feel too bad, Dr. Earl. We're, we're right in there along, you know, together. And AUC love, because CAU's in the building. J 
just saying. Um, I right. I um I spend my time in my in a private practice actually doing therapy, but also um, providing training and technical assistance um, and mediation as it relates to parenting and doing some strategic uh, planning and organizational change work. Um, as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I am excited to be here and have this conversation because one of the things that I've been really ruminating on for the last two weeks is, okay, we're, we've been talking about this for decades. So now what are we going to do? Right. So this is, this is very timely. Exactly. Again, thank you guys for being here on A Cup of Resilience, which is a platform, my podcast, where I speak with real people about real topics to help us bounce back and to move forward. So while we think about moving forward with everything that's happening in the world right now, how can we in our own communities really affect change that's long lasting to allow us to move forward bounce back be resilient i mean we have so many like who's the leader what do we follow like is there a true strategic steps to move forward we have racism we have you know police brutality you know police murdering our people our sons you know husbands etc um we have the karens um you know just crying wolf all the time like it is we have covid <laughs> so it's like i feel like we haven't had a pause this year it's 2020 vision you know and it's just one thing after the other so how do we pause and create effective change like what what do you do how do you even start um start with Pastor Vince. Oh, great. (laughs) I think it starts internally. Whenever you're trying to affect change, if you go for the surface response, you're only going to get a surface change. You're not going to get to the heart of the matter and uh, get to the root of what's going on. Uh, With the ills that you named, one thing that we also have to look at is the uh, economic disenfranchisement of our community and the lack of upward mobility uh, Mm -hmm. in areas that are being directly and adversely affected by the ills that we are seeing in 2020. Uh, One thing I've been just saying from the mountaintops and every opportunity that I have, that this is not the end of the world, but this is revealing to us the ills that have been in our society. And uh, just right before we came on, I love what uh, Dr. Henderson Smith said that, like, what are we going to do? Like. Like, we're tired of a talk. Personally, I'm tired of a meeting. I I don't need another committee. I'm losing a lot of weight marching. So with the weight that we're losing and this tan that I'm getting outside, you know, what are we going to commit to long term? And I think that that is the key, is not so much what is the poster that we're going to hang up, but what are the values that we are committed individually to embody? Uh, what we're seeing now is a decentralization of institutional structures. And so for myself as a church, I've been studying the trend of society for some time now. And we're really seeing an accelerant uh, due to the pandemic, due to now the, uh, the blatant racism that's being displayed at the highest office in the land. Yes. We're at a point now where we're, we can't be led by, we're looking for one. All of us have to step up 
and all of us have to lead, but all of us have to realize that the leader is the need and all of us are to come alongside of the need that we're able to help meet and work together and pull our resources to affect sustainable change. But that's kind of like my introduction to it. <laughs> I agree. Um, Earl, Dr. Hall. And can I? Yep, Linda. I was just gonna say, I think one of the things that's important to, to kind of piggyback off of that, uh, Pastor V, is that I think when we all come together, we all have to be on the same page though, right? We all have to be working towards the same vision because without vision, right? We can't go in the same space. We can't go in the same way. You have a bunch of different people calling themselves leaders, kind of pulling different people all over the place instead of everybody collectively coming together and saying, this is what we're aiming for. You have a part, you have a part, you have a part, you have a part. You go do that part, but let's all still be working towards the same goal. Um, I would say the most important thing, in my opinion, is civic engagement of all citizens. Um, what does that mean? So, for Black people in particular, uh, we've got to get back to just looking out for one another. And I'm talking about having a genuine concern for each other's plight and how what we do as individuals affects the whole. So one of the principles of Kwanzaa is Dujima, uh, collective work and responsibility, right? And so, um, you know, that's one of the things that we need to think about and we need to put in practice as far as our engagement in our communities and with each other. When you look at our history in this country, we were at our best when we stuck together and when we embraced the it takes a village philosophy. True. Now, for the non-Black people, the same rules apply. We've got to look out for one another. This isn't a Black problem that's going on. It's an American problem. And it's been rotting out the core of who we claim to be as a nation for some time now. So if you consider yourself an American, we need to do better at just empathizing with others who may not look like us, or may not share the same belief or cultural heritage. But what unites us is that we're all citizens of this country, probably by way of previous generations who were fleeing from other countries due to persecution and injustice and looking for a better life or a new start. Bottom line is too much blood, too many lives, and too much has been sacrificed to let the things that our ancestors fled from continue to take root here. But it's gonna take all of us to get involved in change. That is, that is so true, absolutely true. Um, what are your thoughts about, I know before we got on, we were speaking about consequences, right? It, to me, it seems as though people in general, and I don't want to say all people, but there's a lack of thought of consequence. So people just act or react without thinking that, okay, like the police officer, if I kneel on this person's neck for how long, you know, they're going to stop breathing, they might die. Consequence for your actions. Um, and, and again, no accountability, right? Because time after time, We've seen tapes like, why does it take so much? And even if you have all this evidence, then it's still no accountability. No, nothing happens. So how do you move forward, bounce back, when you have these 
issues just just kind of just lingering and weighing it's i mean it's so heavy it continuously becomes heavier and heavier and at some point there's gonna be like a serious blow up which is kind of what we're having right now so can you all just um speak on that um i don't know if dr linda would like to talk about that from a perspective or I mean, I think what we have to just realize and recognize is two things. The first is our culture as a society right now is very much so popcorn, right? Microwave popcorn. We try to, it's just about the now and what the impact is right now. We don't necessarily think in a longer term view. But the other thing that we need to be very aware of is that different different members of our society are socialized differently. And so if you if you live in a place of privilege, if you live in a place of entitlement, you don't expect to ever have consequences. So it doesn't matter what I do because I'm going to get away with it anyway. Whereas whereas we are trained very much so. Right. Like I can remember being like three years old, being told you can't do that. Like your skin, your skin complexion says you are not allowed to, to respond that way or act that way or be angry or right. Like to do those things. And so. I think we have to recognize that socialization plays a huge role in um, in the lack of accountability, in the lack of thought as it relates to consequences, um, and and in just the individual perspectives uh, that different people have. Wow, definitely. Anyone else? Do you have something to add to that, Pastor? Yeah, I think I think what we're saying here is the realization that the policies and the laws were never set up to protect those who they weren't written for. From the inception of our nation, we were not included in the ideology of the Declaration of Independence, of the Constitution. And so we're asking for help from something that wasn't built to help us. And so what we have to do is respectfully deconstruct systems that have been in place and and, you know i'm hearing this argument about when when people say to defund let's just say the police they're like oh well they're bad teachers out there do you defund uh schools because they're bad teachers actually yes you do you you lose certain funds if a a school is not performing which you know is is why uh it's very important for schools to do just that um but as relates to our society, the places that we're living, we have to be more uh, accountable to where we're divulging uh, resources. We have to be accountable uh, to the policies. We have to be accountable and realize that as a society, we have to go from a consumer mindset to an investment mindset. Or as I like to say, we have to go from playing checkers to playing chess. So beyond the marches, what are we willing uh, to have in place as a as a term of systematic growth, a systematic development. Um, I, I hope that people don't think that uh, when the march is in, that everything that they would have marched for would have changed. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with hundreds of years, and the marches, the fervor, the intensity is helping us to continue the legacy that was built by our parents and grandparents to continue to undo. Uh, the struggles that we were born in. So um, it, we, we just have a lot uh, to, to to work on and just I pray we don't get disenfranchised as we continue to be diligent in our work. Of course. 
of course there's um um I want to talk about this. So within organizations, and I know you all, I think, have all been in corporate, um, where companies tend to, either they create a new DI officer or they've had it and then they kind of bring someone in. Um, You know, what are your thoughts on that? Because I always think that it's kind of like, let me bring this person in to market as if, hey, we are on the right track. We are doing what's needed. Look, we have a DI officer, and usually it's a black person. But um, when I speak to people within those types of organizations to ask, is there really any effective change taking place when you have this officer in place? And usually the answer is no. And they're just, you know, the employee morale is really down. Like, okay, this person is here, but they're they're just for show, you know, marketing. Hey, hey, for the cameras, smile for the cameras. You know, so what are your thoughts on that? Um, I, if I may, um, so that's, that's a great question. And so there are two things there that I think are very important, especially when we're talking about organization. Uh, one of the things is, with any new initiative, you have to make sure that you have top-down support. I'm talking about CEO or ownership board on down Mm -hmm. uh, because they set the tone. And so to bring in a person to do that kind of work, which depending on on what's going on in the organization and how deep you get, it's it's really deep stuff when you really start getting into some of the deep-rooted thoughts and misconceptions and just ignorance that lies within the group so it's important to have that top-down support but in addition to that during the time when a person is being brought in to fill that role you also have to be clear on what is it that we're looking to get out of that out of this why are we doing this are we just doing it for marketing because if so then all right bring the person in they don't have to do anything we get props it's all good but if you're really trying to make meaningful change what does that mean what does that look like and is the person that we're going to bring in, are they equipped to do that job? Um, so once you've assessed what it is you're trying to get out of the program and you have that support from the top down, uh, the next thing is having some kind of metrics. As you mentioned, we start these programs or we bring in these people to do this DNI work and it's really deep, impactful work. And a lot of times it falls flat because there isn't some kind of clear measurement on what the outcomes should be. And that's not to say that sometimes people don't get in there and they're not working hard and they're spinning their wheels and things are happening, but it's like the old adage, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? So without without having something where you can clearly measure, here's where the organization was before this role and before the work that was being done, here's where we are at this point, three months, six months, however many amounts of time down the line, uh, it's really hard to really drive some kind of change in the organization. So those those things are critical. Yeah, I can remember doing some work for uh, a school district of a nice size uh, city in our, our country. And, and I was reading their strategic plan a couple of years ago, talking about this is what we are committed to in the upcoming school year. And what I what drew my eyes to it was in bold letters, they were committed to equity and undoing racial injustices. They went on a whole list of things of this is what we're committed to, this is what we're gonna do, this. 
And my first question after reading their strategic plan is, uh, to, to Dr. Hall's point, what system do you have in place to keep yourself accountable to this strategic plan that you're going to send out to your entire district? And they immediately brushed that question off and said, we don't have time to discuss that. So I'm like, so this entire document is a waste of time. It's just yep. empty words. So if, if we're not going to um, place people who are different than us in decision-making roles. to have voice and to have say so to offer alternate uh, perspective then all we're doing is just having a waste of time uh in church we do the same thing so dean and i in church is for instance if i'm an all black church i'm going to hire a white person to sing and then i'm going to say that we are multicultural no we are multi-ethnic we are still monocultural so in order to be diverse you have to be willing to give over some of your power that you've become comfortable with. And if you just do a study, you know, in our country, the, the majority of industries are led by white men. And so the, the question is, are they willing to give over some of the power? How can they give over some of the power when the majority of them don't even believe that they have privilege? That's, that's how you know privilege is good because it's natural. Wow. You know, I've been in, in different environments where the roles were reversed. And uh, I can tell you, you know, being an African-American in a role where on purpose uh, things were changed so that as African-Americans, we could feel like we were the ones in charge. And mm -hmm. those who look different than us kind of cower down and kind of get shy and timid. It for a moment allowed myself to step out of my African American experience where we're constantly being mindful of how we talk, yes. how, how we look. We're constantly code switching. We're studying those in the dominant group so that we can be accepted. And for a moment to see them have to now do things and nothing they do is, is right. Nothing they do uh, was good enough. They were able to sit and experience and embrace that you're not in control. So um, that's gonna be the tougher of the, the items that we need to address is giving up of power and privilege so that others can enjoy a slice of the pie as well. And I think beyond power, because I do think that the power and privilege is part of it. I think the other part of it is vulnerability and courage, right? So we've got to get those leaders that you were just referencing, right? And others to really be vulnerable enough and courageous enough to actually do some self-reflection of what their actual biases are, what it actually means and what it is that they may have to give up, right? In order to achieve that power sharing. And unfortunately, right now, there's not a lot of courageous or, or, or vulnerable people who are willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to hear someone else's perspective. Instead, like Tamiko said, what we see is, well, you know, I have this one, this one staff member of color in leadership, right? I, it's the tokenism instead of the true kind of vulnerable required change and evaluation that needs to happen in order to actually affect lasting effective change so um that was very good 
So, guys, listen to this. So I have this theory, right? Or it's something I called the get your hands out my pocket syndrome. And I don't know. Do you all know where that reference comes from? So it's like, get your hands out my pocket. So there's so much going on in the world, right? And then there, I feel like there's so many distractions. So you have the protesters and then you have you know, rioting and some, some, um, sometimes you'll, the video will capture, you know, someone looking like they were a soldier, right, (laughs) with a cocktail, just throwing it in light and, you know, so there's all these distractions to, to throw you off. So I call it the get your hands out my pocket syndrome. So how do we, how do we actually affect change? Like, what are the steps? What do we need to do to start and continue and not focus on like the negative that's kind of throwing you off of the real issues? Like, what do you do? For me, me, I find that my, my personal connections are helpful. Like the connections, the genuine connections, the genuine efforts that I make to connect with people. In this day and age, this popcorn age, this digital age, it's so easy to fire off a tweet, send a text, shoot an email. Um, and if you're not careful, especially now with us just getting um, through COVID-19 and, and self-quarantining and the isolation, it's we take for granted the impact of meeting face-to-face and actually having that connection because there's a lot of communication that goes on non-verbally as well just for when you're sitting with someone and the energy you feel from the smile uh, the gestures so I know that uh, one thing that that my wife and I have started during this time is we actually we meet with our neighbors in a socially distanced safe uh, situation they sit on their side of the driveway we're on our side of the driveway and we have like a Friday wind down every now and then where we'll sit there and we'll talk and we'll catch up, we'll talk about things going on in the community, what's going on in the news, how are y'all doing, here's how we're doing and and genuinely talk and say, hey how are you, are you okay and and going back to what you were saying about some of the problems with the racism and then the things that you see in the media and trying to discern between what's fact what's fiction, a lot of that comes from the connection because if you know something to be true because you've experienced it, you've spoken to people of this group, you know people of this group that you're tight with, it's a bit easier than when you hear some of the fluff and some of the other things that are designed to lead you astray. I mean, we know that the media isn't, that it always has a slant, um, whichever direction it's slanting. And so it's from those connections, at least when you're hearing about groups of people, you're hearing that this group of people is doing that, just understanding some of the issues there um, from just speaking with one another, getting to know one another, that we can then start to really think about, okay, what what's fact, what's fiction, and how do we really make some kind of impactful change? Um, if you make the connections, a lot of times, you can just ask somebody who's being impacted by whatever it is, even if it's just one person's life that you're changing or one small group in your circle. It's still more than would have been done had you not done that at all. And who knows what that impact might have as they do something else and you go on to do whatever so you know it it just it takes those connections it takes a commitment even after the press cycle is done uh to 
you know, even after the pandemic or the sheltering in place is done, still being intentional about making relationships with those who do not look like us, those who do not talk like us. And um, just going back to what Dr. Hall was saying, I was down in Centennial Park the morning after the initial uh, riots or protests uh, on that Friday, on that Saturday morning. And, you know, what, you know, my mindset was when we were getting ready to go downtown was that I was going to be walk into a war zone. And although there was some damage, it wasn't as bad as a picture as the media had painted. Uh, and at the same time, um, what I noticed is that there were more Caucasians cleaning up than African-Americans uh, after the, uh, the, the, the non-peaceful protest. So those type of narratives aren't being uh, perpetuated by the media because controversy is king, you know, controversy sells. And so it's important for us to maintain an even keel with our emotions. There's so many trigger points. I mean, if you're looking for racism in America, just open your, your Facebook feed and you are going to yeah. find a statement or something that will trigger you and possibly send you off the deep end. If we can uh, make sure that we stay even keel because this cycle will pass, but the words and statements that people are saying right now are going to hang with them long term. I can name people right now that uh, others have loved and trusted and admired for years, but because of words that they said out of emotion, they burned a bridge instead of built a bridge that will bring the change that's necessary. I think the next thing that we have to look at is economics. So, um, Dr. Linda was sharing with us earlier that we need to get people who have the power, who have the privilege to be vulnerable, to be open. Well, the, the issue with getting people to be vulnerable and getting them to be open is they don't see the need to be vulnerable and to be open because they don't see that there's a problem. Why? Money's flowing in like it always has. Yes. But as soon as you address the economics of what's going on, you will get the attention of those in power. Just just take three, four weeks ago when we're looking at COVID data and it is not changing. But what is changing is the economic report. The unemployment rate is increasing. Budget shortfalls are coming. Well, mm-hmm. you have people in power saying, wait, 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 wait. We can come. I, I got a vaccine. I got three Tylenols. <laughs> like we can get you back to work. My money is hurting. And, and as African-Americans, those of us who, who, you know, are willing to make the disciplined decisions to be strategic with our expenditures going forward and not funding things that are destroying our communities and pulling our resources together to support one another, when they see that their, their pockets, or they're going to say, put your hand back in my pocket, <laughs> out of their pocket. So I think from an economic standpoint, that's going to be the toughest one, at least for me personally, is actually being strategic with every dollar I spend to make sure that it is supporting the causes that I'm marching, that I'm protesting, that I'm voting for. That's good. Dr. Linda. Yeah, I mean, sorry about the the storm, but I, Mm -hmm. I do think that one of the things that we really have to begin doing as individuals, though, is really focusing on our own wellness, right? So we want to affect change in the community, but we can't do that if we're not well. 
and what we're experiencing right now with this pandemic and the epidemic that has been happening for 400 years, right, is is this complex trauma that is really impacting us physically, spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically. And so we've got to begin to really focus and, and pay attention to our body. Pay attention to, are we more tired? Are we... Are we more lethargic? Are we not really interested in any of the things that we used to be interested in? Are we, you know, I haven't, I haven't been sleeping well because of it, right? Are we more emotional when we aren't normally like that? What are those types of changes that we're experiencing in our body? And we've got to figure out how to, how to address those. So whether that we connect with other people, right? Like Dr. Earl was talking about. And if you don't have a relationship with your neighbor, having socially distanced wind down Wednesdays with your friends in your in your in your uh, air in your driveway are just as good as the neighbors, right? If we need to connect with our church and, and pray and meditate more and get more into the word, whatever it is that we need to do, we've gotta figure out how to manage the symptoms. And if it's something that we can't manage on our own, we as a people also have to be okay with getting help. Reach out. Let me tell you, I am a therapist. I have been in this for almost 20 years and I have a therapist, right? Because it gets hard and we've got to just be okay with saying we're not, we're not the stereotype. We're not always strong. We're not always on top. We need help too. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. Those are some good tips. Um, Earl, I listen half the time. I definitely want to reach out to people because now I've been thinking like, I need to go to the mountains or something, you know, (laughs) because you feel so isolated and long for like real interaction. Um, so that, that, that's a really good idea. Pastor about, um, thinking about economics, you know, how are we strategically going to um, spend our dollars? Because it's worth so much. We, we don't even realize how much money is spent from, from us, right? We are making other people so rich. So we definitely need to focus and stay within, um, you know, our communities and spend the dollars there. Um, Dr. Linda, definitely wellness, wellness, wellness is key. And, you know, just being on these Zoom calls um, and if someone even says something or, you know, you get certain emails and you're like, (laughs) you know, know, it's time for a break. Like, let me just, let me take, let me take some some time off. (laughs) Let me step away from this. Or even, you know, just take a deep breath before you respond or you know what I'll respond to that tomorrow maybe I'll feel better but it is so important and we definitely have to focus on ourselves first um gauging how we feel um before we react and then it's like a a big blow up so again thank you guys so much for um being on and I just want to go around and just let the people know how to get in touch with you what do you have going on and um then we'll close out Please. Want to start, Earl? Um, yeah, as far as me, uh, I can always be reached at Earl, E A R L E, my first name, at stoneageconsulting.com. That's S T O N E A G E, consulting.com. Um, with any questions, concerns, uh, whatever the case may be, if you just want to chat about some things, I'm here. Just email. 
All right, awesome. Uh, Dr. Linda? Yeah, I can be reached at my website. Um, it's www.atcconsultingllc.com. Um, you can learn a little bit more about me and the services that I provide, and you can reach out and email me and contact me there as well. All right, and um, Pastor Vince Thomas Jr., what do you got yeah. going on? So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna say go to theoutlet.cc and there uh, I will be more than happy to come to you if you subscribe. Uh, my heart is to at least twice a week uh, be able to give you something that gives you hope, uh, pragmatic wisdom on how to navigate during these times and uh, give and provide opportunities for us to really be about what we're, this conversation is about and that's affecting change in, in our community. So there's so many opportunities that are coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, we'd be on here the next 10 minutes if I just had to talk about a few, um, but just go to theoutlet.cc and uh, subscribe and we'll make sure that you're plugged in. All right, awesome. Before we close out, I wanted to um, give this quote reminder. It's from Helen Keller. It says, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of the overcoming of it. So we are all resilient and we need to know that we can always bounce back and actually move forward. Again, thank you so much for joining A Cup of Resilience. Thank you to my panelists. I really appreciate you guys. Um, again, my name is Tamiko Drummond. I am the Brand Success Coach. You can find me at um, brandsuccesscoach.com. And we are out. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to A Cup of Resilience. Follow, like, share at A Cup of Resilience. At A Cup of Resilience.